as we move through and consider the reality that sometimes the thing we're missing in life is the most important thing, and it's hard to put our finger on it when it's simply your purpose in life, your destiny. You can find yourself in the midst of simply moving through the motions that you've in a repetitive way developed over the years, and all of us are creatures of habit when it comes to that, and you look at your life and you say, what am I here for? Why am I serving this time on life? Do I have a direction? Do I wake up in the morning with a sense of God's leading? Do I see God fulfilling His destiny in me? That's what we're looking at as we go over this series considering the missing key to a purposeful life. And today I want to think about hearing the call of Jesus. Because so many people hear voices, many voices calling out to them. But they don't hear the most important voice of all. And what is amazing, the Holy Spirit speaks to us on, on behalf of the Godhead. And if we're not paying attention, we will just think that it's a thought in our head or something somebody else planted there, but that's simply not true. Because Jesus knows you. He died to save you. He wants to have a relationship with you. And he's got a purpose for your life. That if it is not fulfilled, you, number one, miss your destiny in the pleasure of the crowns that you'll lay at Jesus' feet. And secondly, someone may not hear the good news or have the discipler in their life that they need. Jesus expects us to make his call to follow him our highest priority. One that is evidenced by obedience to his will. It means we respond to him when he calls. From the very beginning of the disciples' call, they were challenged. Now, I can't imagine walking up to four fishermen on the shore two seemingly finishing, and two preparing their nets. And you call out to them, and they walk away from everything, their life, their career, their homes, and follow you. No doubt they had heard Jesus preaching. They knew what he represented. The last two amazed me because they left their father behind. Now, it was the tradition of sons to follow in their father's footsteps in their careers. Remember, Jesus at this time is about 30 years old, and he had been following in his father's footsteps to be a carpenter. So we're not sure what happens here, but I know this. When Jesus called, they responded. From the very beginning, they understood that. And, and I want to be clear with you about this. Jesus does not always demand that a person leave his vocation. In this situation, it was necessary because they actually physically followed Jesus. You were called to surrender your life to Christ and to follow him in a very unique way. Most people today are called to simply follow him in your vocation or your career, your education, wherever you are in life. Follow after him and find a way of fulfilling your destiny and your career path. That is so very important. I, I remember having a, a church member in North Georgia that said one time, he said, I'm an ordained plumber. And I said, you're ordained? He said, no, God ordained me. And he said, it's amazing. He said, when you go into somebody's house 
and they're paying you $65 an hour to be there. He said, you have their undivided attention. And he said, many times I walk in, and if it's somebody that I know doesn't go to church or needs to go to church, he said, I'll, I'll tell them this. Hey, you know what? You seem like a wonderful person today, but I'll tell you what. If you'll listen to me while I'm working on your plumbing, share with you about my Jesus, I'll cut your cost in half. He said, I had an audience right there. What a wonderful way to lead people to Jesus. What a wonderful way to use your career in that area. Now, what exactly does Jesus expect of the average follower? Because the truth is the average follower is not average. Each of you are unique. Where you are and what you do makes all the difference in this world. And God anticipates and expects you to serve him. Now, Jesus calls us in many way and ways, and, and the first way I think he calls us is, I call it the who in his call. No, he calls normal people to engage in everyday life to make a difference where they are. Part of the picture that Mark helps us see here is the normality of what we're to do. It's very vanilla, very plain. The frontline movers and shakers are not the ones that Jesus was looking for. Think about that. In fact, probably the wealthiest person we hear about going to Jesus, the rich young ruler, what did he do? He walked away. He was not willing to answer the call. Not everybody that Jesus called followed him. And the reality is many people are so entangled with the affairs of this life, they don't understand how important it is to have that relationship with Jesus. For some reason, we tend to think that people who go on to do significant things must have started out significant. Now, there are people like that, that do that. One of my favorite people that I've known over the last 10 years, and he's already gone home to be with our Lord, is Dr. Henry Lyon, who pastored here. Henry Lyon came out of a of Baptist life that was amazing. His father was a prominent preacher. His uncle was probably the most significant Baptist in his day. And Henry Lyon had the pedigree to be a great preacher. There are other people that come from ordinary places to do extraordinary things. When I was growing up, we had a dear friend of my mother's. Her name was O.C. Lewis. She was in her late 80s or early 90s by the time I met her. A frail little lady but with a sweet spirit. And one day in a conversation I was having with her as I was taking her home after church, she told me this story. She said, my husband died very happy because he realized as a CPA he had changed the world. I said, really? I said, tell me about it. She said, my husband, Charles Lewis, was CPA here in Hapeville, Georgia, and went to work for a young man who bought a broken-down cafe called the Dwarf House Grill. And he and his brother had the greatest idea in the world to start a restaurant. But as they started, it floundered several times. Their second business burned. They didn't have a model that was just right. Their, their faith was right, but their business acumen wasn't where it needed to be. And she said, that's where my husband came in. My husband set that business afloat and made it succeed. I don't need to tell you what business that was, Chick-fil-A. And Mr. Truett Cathy only asked one thing of O.C. Lewis. He said, every Christmas you've got to bring me one of your pound cakes that I ate readily and often as a young man. 
and we would continue to go to his house, and, I, and she would deliver that pound cake, and he would always look at her and say, I thank God that your husband crossed my path because he changed everything about what I understand about business. His name will never be plastered around anywhere as important, but it's who he touched that really mattered. The person you may touch in life may change the world. You may not be able to do anything but change your part of the world, but they may be able to go forward and do great things for God. Be faithful in what God has called you to do because sometimes, if you're not, we lose everything. 1 Corinthians 1.26 says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Think about that. I've always heard it said, and you have too, that, that engineers designed the Titanic, but an amateur designed the ark. God uses simple people who are faithful sometimes to do great things. And we have to understand that he's calling us to do something mighty and great in his midst. You know, Amos went before the high priest Amaziah in all of his regal robes that were stitched with gold and all the jewels around him. The beauty of the wealth of Israel was there. But Amaziah stood there in his arrogance and looked at the farmer Amos who picked figs and bred sheep for a living, who was probably dirty, who probably had never been to town before, especially in the temple. But when Amos stood up to preach, he said, I was neither a prophet nor a prophet's son, but I was a shepherd, and I also took care of fig trees. But the Lord took me from tending the flock and said to me, Go prophesy to my people Israel. I'll tell you this, we don't have one word written down of a sermon that Amaziah ever preached. But the book of Amos has caused people for centuries to tremble because the truth that he imparted closed the door on the northern kingdom. It was the word of the Lord. Secondly, I want you to realize that, that sometimes there's a way God calls us. And the how in that is very important. Understand this. If you hear the calling of God when you're young and you say no, God's not going to push you away. He'll continue to call. And, and whatever point you answer, it's important that you answer in the affirmative and follow him. He calls us with his word, with his authority, but also with his love. God is very patient with us, and he understands how we are. And sometimes we don't respond. We're, we're stubborn creatures by nature. And he wants us to be willing to follow him. You won't find a human as patient as Jesus Christ. Inviting someone to leave his living behind and follow is no small thing. And it's tough to do that. It was a great privilege to be called rabbi, to become a follower of Jesus. But you had to let go of all your dreams, all your aspirations. 
If you, if you submit to him, he can turn the ship of your life slowly but surely. He will make you into the person you're supposed to be. And anyone who will take an honest look at Jesus will understand why his invitation really does give a reason to leave things behind. We all have plans and dreams about life. I've always been frustrated with the fact that our, our college system in America expects an 18-year-old to decide what they want to do for the rest of their life. Let's get real. Get behind an 18-year-old in any fast food place. They don't know how to order what they want to eat right then, let alone what their career path will be. I think that we've fallen out of understanding of God's way because here's what God taught and what we've forgotten to follow. God has taught us to use a certain level of wisdom to listen to those who are older and wiser. The children, and, and I laugh about this, but it's true, parents used to pick out the, 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 the life partner for their child. Families would get together, and they'd negotiate, and they'd pick them out. And, and you know what? Statistically, those marriages worked a whole lot better than the ones we have today. I've heard little old ladies on the back row look and say, that marriage won't last six months. And sadly, sometimes they're right. God wants us to learn to listen. Stubbornness is a, is a problem in society today because people are absolutely determined to prove someone wrong. And they're more concerned about that than they are finding truth. Now think about that. They'll kill themselves to prove that person wrong, yet they're not concerned with truth in the matter. That's why we're where we are. We need to learn to listen and observe and grow. Sometimes we forget that God has an authority in our life. And he can give to us a leanness that we can feel, an emptiness that will be there. And I read scripture and I understand what Simon Peter felt like when he was running away from the disciples and anyone that knew him. When he was terrified of the reality that somebody would point at him and say, he's a follower of that man. He was more afraid of losing his life than he was of giving his life to Jesus, which he had already boldly proclaimed. I've always believed that what Simon Peter went through was the will of God to prepare him for what he would do after the resurrection. Be careful what you pronounce. Allow him to call you through his word and to prepare you for what he wants you to do. Listen carefully and speak slowly and understand that sometimes God has a purpose for you that you've never seen. But lastly, I want you to realize this. Jesus called us to an amazing journey. An amazing journey. And our journey is not about us. It's about him. And all along your journey, you're going to encounter different people. You're going to encounter people who live their life to get what they want. I've always heard there are two types of people in the world, the givers and the takers. The givers sleep well and the takers eat well. Look around Selma, there are a lot of takers. 
But what we have to do is not judge people as givers or takers. We need to love them and live our life before them on this amazing journey. We're told to be wiser than serpents, yet harmless as doves. That means we look at people and we can judge what they're about. Do you realize that a person can give you something that you need and meet a need and still be damaging to you? I've seen this in, in so many lives, in relationships, in friendships, where someone would be there for someone that would meet one of their basic needs, yet they were tearing them apart, they were destroying them. It's amazing in Scripture, reputation is held above everything. And your reputation is what you are. It's what you become. People watch you. They know you. It's unique to go back to class reunions. And you all have had several class reunions here in Selma in the time I've been here. And it's always interesting to meet people, especially after you've heard other people describe them. And then you meet them and you find out, wow, they haven't changed a whole lot. Well, I mean, that's like someone the other day said something about someone here in the church, and they said, well, they're gray-headed. And I said, well, that doesn't narrow, narrow it down a whole lot, you know. But when they begin to describe classmates from 40 or 50 years ago and some of the things they'd do then and how they'd behave, and then you'd meet them and you thought, wow, <laughs> they're still that way. The reality is we have to be careful because what are we supposed to be about in our life and our relationship with Jesus? We're supposed to be about change, becoming more like him, less like us. Be careful that you don't allow your friends to come in and affect you being the Christian you should be. Because they can stalemate that by their reputation, by what they do. God calls us to a stellar career. In a simple relationship, obedience to him. And that's so simple. He's invited us to be his disciple. What a great thing. A disciple is a follower. When you follow someone, you know everything about them. You study them. You understand them. You want to be like them. You look at them and you observe everything about them. And the only way to do that with Jesus is through this book. I would dare say that if you don't read the Bible daily, you're not a disciple of Christ. You may say, preacher, I read books about the Bible. Well, that, that doesn't cut it. Because the Holy Spirit speaks to you through the Word of God. He didn't inspire books written about the Bible. His inspiration was here. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, so that the Christian could be complete and total. That are the word, that, those are the words of Jesus about this book. So don't think you can listen to a tape or watch a DVD or read a book and get the same thing you get from reading the Bible. You can't. You can't. Get into God's Word and let Him speak to you because He wants you to be His disciple. Secondly, He wants you to leave your old life. He really does. Now, I'm not saying you live a bad life, 
But sometimes good things can occupy your time so much so that God things never get done. Sometimes you can be helping and doing and all that, but you never have time for Him. I always remember the story about Mary and Martha. And I realize that each one of us have a little bit of Mary and Martha in us in either way. We get caught up with the Lord and forget about everything else. And then sometimes we're so busy ministering and taking care of people, we run dry spiritually. I've seen many people spend a year or two serving the Lord in a position that a nominating committee placed them in, and that person didn't nourish themselves with God's Word, and they didn't stay prayed up and confessed up as they should. And at the end of it, they dried up, and they disappeared. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. I shared a little poem with you all when I first came here that, that I heard in seminary. I always liked it. Mary had a little lamb. It wanted to grow up and be a sheep. One day it joined a Baptist church and died from lack of sleep. That can happen. That can happen. When it's time for committee appointments, all you have to do is look a little bit vulnerable and smile, and, and you're on that committee. You're serving. Be careful not to serve yourself to death and forget about kneeling at the feet of Jesus and growing and being inspired. Thirdly, to be more than what we've ever imagined means we trust God for that direction. I don't know what God wants you to be totally and fully. He's not going to tell me. He's going to tell you. And he will shape you step by step as he moves you forward. And the sense of fulfillment is amazing. And we celebrate that in the lives that he's changed. But Jesus is calling you to do more. Now, I'm not telling you to, uh, that you need to be at church three times a week. I'm telling you it's important to serve him where you're planted in a realistic way. Up there in the very back is Kitty Cosby. I, I'm looking right at her. She's terrified I'm going to ask her to stand up and speak. But Kitty, just nod your head. We never asked you to be senior adult director, did we? You came to work on staff to, to, to be a secretary and a receptionist there. She's one of the best senior adult directors I've ever had. I didn't know it. She didn't know it. God knew it. And it's worked in such a wonderful way. Do I have any senior adults here that, that disagree with me? I don't think so. Because they are active. They are fulfilled. They enjoy it. They're blessed by it. God called you to do that, Kitty, and God's going to bless you in heaven for it. No, you don't have to speak. I'm glad God does that. Sometimes, I, you know, I've had people say, well, you just, you know, you're supposed to control what happens in this church. You're the CEO. No, I'm not. God is. I'm here as the under-shepherd, guided by the good shepherd. He guides me. And sometimes he doesn't tell me ahead of time. I don't get on a, on a Sunday night, I don't get a, a, a full sheet of what we're going to do during the following week. Not at all. And sometimes it changes literally in a moment. I've left my office in the morning to go visit someone and end up in the hospital in far and distant lands, as I call it, all over Alabama. But I go because God calls and he opens the door. Jesus had a way of not being predictable. 
And he didn't have an itinerary where there was a need, he was available. And that's what I believe God calls us to do. I'm thankful that this church does that. One of the unsung heroes of ministry in this church are all the dear ladies here that have volunteered and participate in preparing meals for families who have lost loved ones. Thank you, each and every one of you. You do an incredible, incredible ministry. You do something that I don't see in a lot of churches. And uh, I know this, this, this past day when we had Elton McGahey's funeral, he, he'd not been a member of this church for a long time, but his family considered this home. And, and they brought Mr. Elton back here for his funeral to be here. And the family gathered, almost 50 family and friends, to have a meal. And one of the people that was there came up to me and said, I need to tell you something, preacher. This time together has meant more to me and my wife than you can ever imagine because we've not had a family reunion like this to get together. It's a ministry. And the ladies that do it are wonderful. And it causes the cause of Christ to go forward. Be more than you ever imagined and be available. And though at the end of the day you may be exhausted... You may be so tired you don't know how you can put one foot in front of the other. God's grace will keep you going because the work that you do is so remarkable. Don't fail to find his place for you because one of the best ways to go to bed at night and go to sleep is to go to sleep and say, Lord, thank you for giving me a day that was full of your direction. And I'm tired, but I'm blessed. That is one of the most wonderful ways you'll ever go to sleep at night. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you have a purpose for us. You didn't just save us because you wanted to collect us like someone with a hobby. You saved us to serve. You saved us to be with you. You saved us for relationship, and because of that, we have purpose, and we're fulfilled. Now, Father, I pray that you'd speak to someone this morning that's trying to find that hope in their life. They're looking for that encouragement. They're struggling for a reason for being. And, Lord, we see that and know that as Christians. We understand that. We see your purpose in our life, and we ask right now that you would speak to someone who's struggling to find that purpose in their life. Lord, speak to them. Guide them. Give them the understanding of your will and give them the strength to make the right choice. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning that needs to come and, and simply make a public profession of their faith and say, yes, Jesus has come into my heart and I want to be baptized. Or if somebody wants to come and join the church, whatever the need, may this be the day that that decision is made. Lord, speak to someone that wants to come closer to you and give them the power and the strength to do what is right. For once we take that first step, it's amazing how God will lead us as we go forward. And I pray all this in your holy name, Lord. Amen.